Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. All right. Well, this morning, uh, we're going to start a new series. You know, last week, uh, we finished up uh, one series, and we're going to uh, jump in together into the Scripture uh, and look at Philippians. Philippians chapter 1, I'm going to talk to you about a letter from prison. And uh, I don't think anybody likes to be in prison, And but what we see is the Apostle Paul in his life uh, he is, uh, he is uh, actually in a situation that he doesn't want to be in in some sense. You know, and it's, it's always so easy for us to be able to allow our circumstances of life to shape how we live. And I know that uh, sometimes people will say it's just, it's just easier to let life play out without really any resistance so the, that we face to this world and, you know, just be laissez-faire. It's like, well, whatever happens, you know, just uh, let it happen. But I, I don't know that that's really the right way that we should live as followers of Jesus because we've all been called to follow him and to serve him. And in this life, really, we need to become people who are resilient. We need to be people who are resilient and be able to bounce back from the pressures that surround our lives in the days that we are living. And we are living in some days, aren't we? Uh, we are, uh, just the reality. And you must not become the kind of person that allows a society that does not choose to follow God to shape your life. We must not allow it to shape our lives. And if you do, at some point, you'll probably look back on your life and, and think to yourself, how did I end up this way? Or this is not the way that God intended for me to live my life. Uh, years ago, I had honor to uh, to uh, join a young man and a young woman together in marriage, and uh, they had been serving, or he had been serving in the military for a, a period of time in his life, and uh, they had uh, 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 become friends and then decided to get married, and and uh, she was a two-time survivor of a very serious form of cancer from her youth. Happened once in her youth, uh, younger, and then later on when she was probably about 18 or 20, something like that. And uh, uh, her life, and you know, she, she faced some serious residual effects from that, uh, that illness and the things. But God had blessed her with a, with a man who was willing to love her for who she was. And God had blessed her in that sense, and he was willing to do so, and she also was not going to allow her situation to limit her life. And I would say, I would call her a resilient person. I would say that she was, and circumstances must not shape us. Sure, they, they have an effect on our lives at times, but they must not totally shape us, and you need to be able to gain that resilience and especially in your walk with Christ, we, we all understand that there are effects that we face from the circumstances in the world uh, that we live in. Yet the follower of Jesus shouldn't allow their lives to be shaped by those outward circumstances, but live out the life of Jesus in them. 
In other words, we should be able to experience joy in the Lord regardless of the circumstances, no matter if we feel opposition in life or if we feel persecution, maybe at your work or other places, or even just in the circumstances that you are in. And today we're going to look uh, to the Apostle Paul's letter over here in Philippians. And we can look at this first verse here in Philippians 1, 1 real fast. And he, he, says, he, he says this, he's writing to the whole church, not just a, a segment of it, not just to the leadership, but he says it here in verse 1. He says, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi together with the overseers and deacons. So you can see here that Paul and Timothy are including the leadership, this whole, this whole group there. And he's thankful for them, and he prays for this church that uh, he has really worked so hard to see it come about. And he has put a lot of effort in that. And so he says there in verse 6, these words, he says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. See, God has started something in each and every one of us. He started something good in us if we will allow him to continue working that out in our lives. We have to allow him to do that so that he can finish this work that he started. And really, the Apostle Paul, he's really excited. He's, he's really uh, glad for the, this uh, group of people that he has ministered to and about what God's doing in their lives. And uh, he believed that God wasn't done with them, that he had some other things he wanted to do. And it doesn't take us to, to very long to be able to look to see what the Apostle Paul's circumstances are. Uh, you see it there. Look at what he says here in verse 7. In verse 7, it it says this, it's right, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. You know, you can hear the love that comes uh, through the apostle as he writes this letter that he loves his church, and you can, you can hear this, the compassion that he has for them, the concern that he has for them, and how they shared God's grace together. And Paul is simply imprisoned for his faith at this point. And we'll see more clues as we walk through the Scripture today in just a minute, but uh, most people at this point would have a complex. Could you imagine what it's like? And we know modern-day pastors and ministers of the gospel, like those in Turkey that we've heard of in the past, that have been imprisoned for their faith, and they do go through a lot. There's just no question about it. But you, could you imagine being imprisoned for your faith and then have to be able to walk through all of life in that fashion or that period of time? And uh, uh, I'm sure that the Apostle Paul has some frustration, but there's something interesting about him because he has some serious resilience in his voice. In his writing, as you see it there, he has some serious resilience. One uh, definition of resilience is the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties, and it's really toughness. It's that ability to handle these things. And let's look at some background here for just a moment with me. You see that Paul has been used by God to start the church over in Philippi. It was over in Acts chapter 16, and you can read that on your own at some point. And it gives the account of how it happened. And Paul's love for the church is evident in this letter. 
uh, but they, they were more sensitive and responsive to his financial needs than any of the other churches. Now, we understand he was a missionary, right? He, he was a, a church planning apostle is what he was, and he went and did these kind of works, and, and so he, did, he needed help at times. And Paul tells them the, the latest news about his imprisonment that we're going to see a little bit more about here in a second. But he also uh, warns them about those who were spiritually rigid. They were so rigid, they were, they were legalistic, we may call them. And, and uh, so they, they couldn't really move. They were so stiff, they couldn't move. You know what it's like? And uh, those who, then also those who had no spiritual limits to their lives. They feel like anything goes we don't have to follow the rules. We can throw those out. We don't have to do that. But let's, let's uh, go over here into Philippians 1 verse 12 and kind of move on here and see what he says. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. You just shake your head on that. Paul? Why, why would you talk about it like that? Look, he goes on 13. As a result, it has become clear through the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. He's in prison. We know that. He is for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more, more to proclaim the gospel without fear. They weren't going to allow anything to hinder them. Here's, I've got a couple things for you. If you want to write these down, you can. The first thing is this. Paul chose resilience. He chose it, friends. What makes you think that you can't? He was a man just like you. He was no different than you, a human being just like you and I. He chose resilience, but he leaned on his Lord. He leaned on the master and he trusted him. And so you, too, are capable to be resilient in these tough times. And this man was willing to step back and recognize the hand of God in his terrible circumstances. And I would say that most of us, most of us, if we were in this kind of situation, we would likely whine and complain, right? Uh, likely we would do that. God, why did you allow them to throw me into this place? Why did you allow this to happen? And maybe you should go back with me for just a minute over into the uh, what ha over what happened with Paul and Silas over in Acts 16. We're not going to you don't have to read it with me today, but you can look at it later on. But in Acts 16, something great happened there. Well, I guess you could say it was great, but those guys, Paul and Silas, had been thrown into prison for casting the demon out of some little girl and uh, while they were on their way to a prayer service. They were minding their business, going to pray, and then uh, this opportunity came to minister to somebody's need. And, and that, that time, though, they were thrown into jail. They were thrown in there, or they were left there. Then they start singing hymns to God. They're, they're praising the Lord in the middle of their circumstance. And what does God do? But he uses a earthquake, and an angel of the Lord comes in, breaks the prison open, sets them free, and they are delivered. They are brought out. He knows what it's like. Paul has been through that. He has experienced that kind of thing. Now that uh, we see here that Paul is back in a Roman prison, 
he could have looked back uh, to this time when God delivered him then. Maybe he did, I don't know. Uh, but here's what we do know. Paul was not going to become limited by his circumstances while he was stuck in a Ro Roman prison for his faith. And he was going to serve God no matter what his, uh, what, what his circumstances were. He was not going to allow them to rule, to ruin, or to change, or morph, or shape his life into something different. Paul chose to look to Christ in faith in his circumstance and to become resilient. For us as followers of Jesus, we must become resilient. We have to recognize where our hope comes from. We have to recognize where our strength comes from. It comes from the Lord, the maker of the heavens and earth. It doesn't come from us or our own ability or something that's innate inside of us. Our strength comes from the Lord. And we must keep our focus on him. So Paul was a, he was not only a resilient follower of Jesus. Remember that Timothy was right beside him most of the time. Now we know Silas was with him there for a while. He usually had a core group of guys that was with him and, and they had that community. They had that connection between them. And in fact, Paul writes the greeting in this letter like this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all God's holy people. It's interesting there how he says that. Sometimes we overlook that. We overlook the fact that he's with this group of guys, that, that they were working with him, and they were serving with him. They, they walked through many of these challenges together. And if you're, if you're going to live out with resilience, what, what you need is to walk with Christ beside you. But you also need to walk with others. You have to be able to walk with others to be able to be strong in your faith in the Lord. Jackie Robinson was the first African-American to play a major league baseball. And uh, breaking his uh, baseball, he broke the baseball colors uh, barrier. And he faced jeering crowds in pretty much every stadium he went to. And then one time he goes back to his home stadium in, in Brooklyn and he commits an error. He's on second base and, and the crowd is just jeering him and giving him a very hard time. And then Pee Wee Reese comes over. Pee Wee Reese comes over and he puts his arm around him and he just looks at the crowd. He just looks at him. And the crowd finally quieted down. And we see that Jackie Robinson later said that, the, that that arm around his shoulder saved his career. Saved his career because someone else was there with him. See, we have to encourage each other in tough times and even in good times. Sometimes people think that times are going so good when they do happen that, you know what, I really don't have to have anybody there. I, things are going good. But the reality is we need one another in all times. So Paul chooses resilience, but he also built relationships in his life that helped him to become strong and stay strong. First, he made sure that he retained his connection with the Lord, uh, and his love for the Lord was his highest focus. That's what he focused on more than anything. 
But that wasn't the only thing. Second, he built relationships with others. It helped him to keep perspective and to keep a strong witness for Christ. Look back at what Paul says here in verse 13 of, of chapter 1. And he says, It has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. See, Paul had an opportunity in Rome to be able to share his faith in Christ, and it caused all of these people to take notice. They stepped back and they looked at his life. God had already worked through his life on the way to prison there with the shipwreck and the live people's lives were saved. And, uh, you know, they, they got stuck on Malta and it, you can go through and see that that took place over in the book of Acts. But God had already been working his life, but God was going to take this good news halfway around the world through Paul. And, and he may not have even understood at what level God was going to use his life. You know, I, don't, I doubt that he understood all of that. Now we know if you go back to the Damascus experience that he experienced when he came to faith and put his trust in the Lord, that uh, there was a prophet there and he spoke to him and he told him some things that he would face. And he said, you're going to suffer many things. God was going to do something through his life. God was going to work through his life. And the Lord is always willing to work through the lives of people for the person who is willing to let him work through their lives. None of us are perfect. Not one. I don't know a person is perfect. I just know we're all growing and we're striving for perfection, as the Apostle Paul talked about. And we're growing in our faith. We're walking with him. But the facts are we have to recognize that we must still be willing to allow him to work in our lives. There's something else that we can find over here in verse 14 together. And it's the second, really the second point is this, is Paul's resilience gave others confidence. See, the same can happen for you. Just like Paul's resilience gave others confidence, your resilience can give other people confidence as well. What, bouncing back from those difficult things that you have faced in your life that you can allow God to work in your life. Let's look at what verse 14 says here. He says, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Were they afraid to share the gospel at times? Look, Paul was in prison. Of course they were. Look at what happened in Jerusalem when persecution started happening there early on. What had happened? The scripture says that the disciples scattered. The apostles stayed in Jerusalem, but the disciples scattered. They went all over. They were trying to find a place of refuge and protection at that point in their lives. If you choose resilience, you choose to follow Christ. If you choose to let God work through you, it will give other followers of Jesus confidence to follow, follow him. I dare to say that uh, some, some other Christians around you that don't have confidence to boldly share their faith would probably be challenged by you as you share what God has done in your lives. But as you reach out yourself as true followers of Christ to share your faith, it's going to strengthen others. It will strengthen you. 
It will embolden you to be able to share your faith, but it'll also strengthen those too. Luke records over in Acts 1, uh, verses 7 and 8, something very important and unique to us. And I think that sometimes we miss part of this. And I did not choose verse 8 on purpose by itself. I chose it with a, in a context. Uh, a little bit better, and as it says, uh, he, Luke records this as the words of Jesus. And this is what Jesus told his disciples in verse 7. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times and the dates the Father has set for his own, by his own authority. He had been talking about, they'd been talking about end times events. They'd been talking about the return of Christ, that kind of stuff. And here Jesus is saying, guys, that's not for you. And then he goes on to say this in verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, we've not been called to set back and wonder about Jesus' return. Doesn't mean we don't talk about it. But we haven't been called to just set back and, and say, oh, yeah, let's, let's consider this all the time. When, in fact, we have been called to put rubber to the ground. We've been called to be able to share this gospel of the kingdom into every nation and every nook and cranny of the world that exists. We've been called to do that as followers of Christ. We haven't been called to set back and wonder. I remember my first time full time, my first full time job that I, I received once I got out of high school and out of uh, school. Um, as I uh, went to Kansas City, I took this job to be a truck technician, and, and I was an apprentice. And uh, so Bob, Bob, the service manager, hires me, and I, I make it to work. Actually, I got, I got lost. I got on the wrong bridge. I, I got on the Broadway bridge instead of the wrong. Uh, and I, it was, it was, was it Broadway? I think at that time it was Toll. The one of them was Toll. I didn't even have a quarter. <laughs> I had to turn around on the bridge out of toolbox on the back on the, by the back of my truck and I'm trying to get around. The guy says, yeah, you can turn around. And, and so I make it to work and I unload everything. And when, when it's time to start work, I said, what do you have for me to do? They didn't have anything right away, but you know, I could have went over to my toolbox and just leaned up against it for a while and, and just decided, well, I'm going to think of all the things that I could be doing and, uh, and all these wonderful projects that I could do and just sit here and stay back here and hide. I'm sure that Bob, the service manager, would have looked at me at some point and says, pack your tools, put them back on the trailer, and go back home to your house and find another job. Why? Because he actually hired me to do something. So finally, they gave me my first vehicle. It was a diesel van, and somebody put gasoline in the thing, and it wouldn't run right. No wonder. And so then uh, you understand that the thing is, is God has given us all something to do. He's given us something, and we see that what Jesus has said here, and the apostle Paul knew that he was called by Jesus to serve a dying world with the good news and the hope of Jesus and the forgiveness that he brings. He wasn't going to just sit down and think about it to sell books. That's not what he did. That's not why, that's not why Paul wrote all those letters. He didn't do it so he could be, have the bestseller. Although the Bible is usually one of the number one bestsellers in the world. Today, you and I are here to tell the dying world around us about the hope and forgiveness that Jesus gives.
You've been empowered to preach, to, to share Christ. You say, well, I'm not a preacher. You may not say preach, but you share Christ. You use words. Yeah, there's times you don't use words, but now in the world that we live in, we must use words. We must serve them, but we must use words as well. We have to be resilient. Your resilience gives other believers the confidence to do the same for themselves. And look at what some of the obstacles were that the Apostle Paul faced. You see it here in Philippians chapter 1, verse 15. And verse 15, it says this, It's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am uh, put here for the defense of the gospel. The former, you know, those guys with the envy and uh, uh, rivalry, the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. It is so surprising that Paul says that. Why does it matter? When it comes down to it, Paul and even the other apostles like John, they, 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 some went, uh, they faced some ridiculous opposition uh, from people who just want to be seen, and they were rivals. Some of them did it even to make the Apostle Paul's time in prison more challenging and more difficult. But, but why do people do those kind of things? Well, you know, Paul says it this way in verse 15 and also in verse 17. He says this, it's out of envy and out of selfish ambition. There are those who don't only do it because they're in it for their own personal gratification or for money. Some do it because they, they wanted to be in the limelight also, but I have, a, uh, have something to share about that a little bit. Do you know that limes can be sour at times? So the limelight isn't always what it's cracked up to be. So it can be sour at times. And he's trying to help them to be able to grab a hold of some things and understand. Uh, but Paul, he was, he was really plain here. Don't be like the people who say every, everyone in church is a hypocrite because it's just not the case. That is simply a stereotype or a, or a blanket statement that people use. And many times they use that so that they feel like they feel better about themselves. But here's where we need to see how Paul handles his situation. He says it in verse 18, he says, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached and because of this, I rejoice. You know, he could have said something like, because of this, I mourn. But he didn't, why? Because, because people were going to hear about Jesus, they were going to be forgiven and have a relationship with God and their lives would be turned around. And he was happy about that. He was glad that something was being done. And, and this is where some people wanna drop the baton in the race. Uh, but, but this person who, choo who chooses resilience says, so what if people try to make my life hard in, in the way they tell others about Jesus? As long as people have the chance to hear the gospel, that's all that matters. It's true. It doesn't mean that God won't hold those people to account for preaching out of the wrong motives, because he will. 
But then he says words like this, because of this, I am going to celebrate. He says words like that, because it's, I'm going to celebrate because people come to faith out of it. I choose to celebrate in, even in the middle of crisis. Can you celebrate in the middle of a crisis? Yes, you can. We can celebrate even in the middle of that, but some won't do that. They simply lay down. Do you realize that celebration is a spiritual discipline? I don't know if you've thought of that, but celebration is a spiritual discipline. And it is based in Scripture. It's a reality. And it's something a lot of us don't understand. But there was a time in the Old Testament after the law of God was read over in the book of Nehemiah, Israel had went their own way. They had served idols and all that kind of stuff. And they were running the wrong direction. And, uh, but when they heard the law of God read, when they heard the scripture read to them, they started crying. They started weeping because they're like, we have really messed up. And, and at that point, what happened? But they kept crying and kept crying. And finally, Nehemiah gets a hold of him. And he says it here on your screen. It says this, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. And he says, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some of those who have nothing prepared. Uh, this day is holy to our Lord. In other words, it's set apart for him. It's set apart for him. And then he says, do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's the context of that. A lot of times we say the joy of the Lord is our strength, and we don't always get the context. They, they have messed up royally. And he's saying, okay, now that you're making things right, let, let, let the joy of the Lord be your strength. May you look to him. May you look towards him and allow him to give you strength. Sometimes you need help to stop crying. You need to start celebrating and let the joy of the Lord become your strength in circumstances that may seem at times unbearable for some. You have to look to him and celebrate what God has done for you. And yes, it's a time of weeping over the sin that we have committed. There is a time for that, but there's also a time to get up, get back on your feet, get back moving, and allow God to work in your life and then celebrate what God has done for you. Let me ask this question to you. Has God done anything for you? Has he done something for you? I've heard some of you say yes. God has done something for us, and we can celebrate. Paul was choosing to be resilient, and his resilience produced confidence in other believers. But look at what he says here in some other verses here. In verse 19 and 20, he says in verse 19, he said, for I know that through your prayers and, the, and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. See, Paul realizes that somehow God is going to turn this thing around and use it to deliver him. He does, he does get out of prison, we know, for a while. Uh, we know that he's out. We know that he goes under house arrest and all that kind of stuff. But, but, but So he gets out. But look at what he goes on to say here in verse 20. In verse 20, he said, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage 
so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He says, one way or the other, one way or the other, I'm going to serve the Lord. And Paul has expect, expectation and hope. He has, incur, he has courage to match the crisis at hand. Do you have courage to match for your crisis today? Do you have courage? Look to him, look to the Lord, and build those relationships with others so that you can encourage one another. Then he says these words in verse 21, knowing that he may face a persecutioner or executioner. He says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Would you stand with me this morning? We realize that no matter what we face, no matter what circumstances that we are in, that we can depend on the one true God. We know that though we may face troubling times and situations in our lives and circumstances that we did not choose, or we did choose to be in, but most of us didn't choose the circumstances that we are in today. But we can look to the Lord and we can trust in Him and we can put our faith in Him and then we can encourage one another because no matter what we face in this world, He is with us. He told us in His word, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That word will never change. He will, that word will never drop off the edge of the planet. I will never leave you nor forsake you. No matter what you face in this life, it cannot be more than what Paul faced. Really, I don't think it can. Even in the middle of the stressors of his, of the, of his service to a world that didn't accept truth, in a time where those who were supposed to be partners were only in it for their own ambition, those guys that he dealt with at times. And he, and he chose to be resilient. He chose to celebrate. So my question is to you this. What are you going to do? Are you going to celebrate? Are you going to become resilient? Are you going to choose to walk after him and allow him to work through your life? Because as Nehemiah said over there in chapter eight, he said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Would you say it with me? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Would you say it one more time? The joy of the Lord is my strength. If you will keep trusting in him, if you will keep following him, and allow him to work in your life. You can see him doing good things in you. Let me pray for you this morning. I don't know what circumstances you face. I know we're all in this COVID thing together and all the other things that are with all of that in some sense. I don't know where your, what your situation is. You know, God knows and he cares and he loves you. He was with Paul when he was in prison. He was with John when he was in the island of Patmos, when he was boiled in oil and all the things that he went through. 
He will not leave you. He will not forsake you.